This week on the podcast, I break down exactly what I eat for breakfast, how you should structure your week, and the basics of meal planning 101 to have the body you want. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Average to Athletic Podcast. My name is Graham. Once again, I am with you to break down the the tactics and the principles of the highly successful in what I would call the athletes. So this week we're going to talk about nutrition and specifically we're going to talk about meal planning 101 or what I eat for breakfast basically. So we're going to go over kind of a general view for how I structure eating and my view on how the most efficient and simple way it is to kind of think about how you're eating each week. A few topics like uh, basic common problem areas people have, whether you should do intermittent fasting. And then I'll give you a detailed look at what my, I guess you call it lunch or breakfast, what that is. And then, you know, what that price costs and calories and things like that. And then go through a few different things for how to meal plan and prep for dinners. So this will be a general overview, but I think it'll cover a lot of the most important tactics. So when it comes to let's say diets and nutrition, and depending on who you ask, you're going to get different answers from basically everybody. And the way people eat is second only to actual religions in terms of things that people are very dogmatic about. And I don't quite understand that, but everyone has their own thing and it works for them, I guess. So for me, whenever it comes to, let's say, any type of eating consideration, I'm always thinking about how it could be simpler and effective, right? That's that's the general thing because whenever you, you know, I guess people are drawn towards complexity. They overvalue something for its complexity instead of thinking about, you know, simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. And that's a common misconception people have. So when it comes to the three main problem areas in food that people have, there's a million different meals, recipes, and variations of all the stuff. But you don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be different. Um, when it comes to these three main areas of, let's say, lactose and dairy, gluten and bread, and then uh, saturated fat and cholesterol, these are my philosophies. So first, if you are lactose intolerant or don't handle dairy well, then don't eat it. Some cheeses that have been aged longer like Swiss and Parmesan and cheddars are lower in lactose. Greek yogurt has active bacteria that digest much of the lactose and whey protein isolates much of the lactose filtered out. But don't just decide to be lactose intolerant. There's nothing inherently wrong with it if it doesn't cause you problems. And obviously there are a lot of people that it does cause problems and you'll be able to identify based off of how you feel after you eat ice cream. And if you want to make that choice to do it for whatever reason, then by all means go ahead for it. But Understand that by cutting lactose out of your diet, you can actually build up an intolerance to it. But if it doesn't cause you problems, it doesn't cause you problems and you're fine. Very similar to the second point of gluten. So if you're gluten sensitive, and I guess whatever that means, because it's a pretty, I don't know, variable definition that people are less and less, it's not as big of a thing as it used to be a few years ago, or you have celiac disease, which is a very small percentage of people, then don't eat gluten. Like items like bread, pasta, cereals. I mean, if you don't have a problem with it, then go for it. 
And my personal thing is like if it's a, you know, what's the point of a gluten-free bread or pasta or cereals? If you can't have gluten, like it's not like just, this is a common misconception. People think that something that just because it says vegan or organic or vegetarian or, I don't know, gluten-free, that it's healthy. It's like that, those two things are not mutual, like they might as well, there's no guarantee that just because something's vegan, it's healthy. And that, that's a common misconception. It's a lot of marketing. So same thing with gluten-free, gluten-sensitive. It's like, that doesn't mean it's healthy. Gluten-free cereal, bread, or pasta isn't healthy. It just doesn't have gluten in it, which is only beneficial if you have a problem with gluten. So, I mean, I don't eat much of these items at all in my diet. Like, I don't have much bread. I really rarely, I never have cereal, pasta, and rarely have any bread these days. But it has nothing to do with the fact that it has gluten. It's just that most of these foods are pretty low in vitamins and minerals, so I just kind of put my calories elsewhere. And we can talk about that later. So the third and final one is there's no reason to avoid saturated fat or cholesterol. These are both extremely important and beneficial parts of a healthy diet to support your brain and your nervous system function. Unfortunately, this became something where people thought, oh, if we cut out the fat, people will, you know, this, they thought there was a link between coronary heart disease and saturated fat and cholesterol. The reality is that the majority of the cholesterol that circulates in your blood is created in, within your body endogenously by the liver. Every cell in your body has a fat membrane, all of your nervous system, your brain is made up almost entirely of fat. It's, you need fat in your diet and saturated fat and cholesterol, both very high in nutrients and very valuable for your body and your function. The only thing to keep in mind is that fat does have nine calories per gram compared to protein and carb that only have four calories per gram. So if you're looking to lose weight, lowering the fat you will eat will help, but simply by lowering your total calorie levels. And the opposite is true for gaining weight. If you have more fat, you call the calorie dense foods like cheese and peanut butter and stuff like that that can be helpful to gain food so obviously eating less fat has less calories but it's not that fat is good or bad so once we get past past that i do intermittent fasting so i practice intermittent fasting but that doesn't mean you should so i've been doing this since about 2017 so going on four years uh i guess roughly speaking and all that means is that i eat one or two meals a day and i do this for a simple reason it makes my life easier. Instead of having to spend time prepping and planning for four plus meals a day like I used to do, I just make two large meals a day. I used to get up when I'd go to the gym early in the morning. I would eat big meals at 5 a.m., 10 a.m., 2 p.m., 7 p.m., and then a snack at night. And amazingly, when I made the switch over time and didn't, I didn't lose a ton of weight, even by eating a lot less food. And kind of though this is untested, my belief is that we actually just poop out a lot of the food we don't really need. And I think we eat much more than we need. And I know I was eating much more than I needed to. But here's the thing. I don't stick to a strict eating window. I'm not like, oh, I start at 12 and I end at 4 or whatever people do. I just don't snack or eat anything outside of my meals 98% of the time. Occasionally, I'll have a handful of almonds for salt if I'm dying or if I've been sweating a lot. Uh, but that's it. Like I just keep things simple and it really works for me. Now, does this mean I think you should do it? Well, you know, probably not. Uh, it's Here's a quick pro and con list for you. So pros, it makes your life much simpler by giving you structure and boundaries. It's easy to be intentional about planning out healthy meals because you only have one or two a day. And if it can make 
achieving a calorie deficit much simpler because you generally don't eat as much because you're eating on a smaller window. But that is not necessarily always true. The cons, it's harder to get enough calories if you don't like big meals and it may not fit into your daily routine if you don't have time for a big meal during the middle of the day. And it may require you to train fasted. So if you get up and you like to work out in the morning, it, you know, you may intend if you get if you're not used to that it may decrease your performance but some people love to train fasted and honestly i've gotten used to it it's really more of a i found that my energy when training is really more dictated by the calories i ate the day before how much salt i got the day before how hydrated i am that day and how much sleep i got the night before so you know, i don't really think the fasted thing matters as much as people think it does but again it may you know, it's something for you independently to figure out. So the bottom line, if, if I were actively trying to gain weight, train for a competitive event, or just preferred eating smaller meals throughout the day, then I, I would not practice it. But I'm not training for anything. I'm not trying to gain weight or lose weight. And I really love big meals. So that's why I practice it. So um, let's move on. So this you know, thinking about how I think about food and meals each week. So because I do intermittent fasting, I just eat two meals a day. Generally, and currently at the time of recording this, I just eat one meal on Saturdays. So I just have a fasting day, 24-hour fast. Partly because I am at the gym through kind of the typical lunchtime and I don't get back until like, you know, three or four. So by that point, it's kind of like, you know, almost a dinner time. And because on Saturdays I eat my cheat meal or my off meals that's planned. And so those with this, I can literally, literally eat as much as I can stuff into my face and I don't have to worry about calories, which is another weird thing about me, but now you know that. But apart from that, this means I have uh, about 13 meals to plan for each week. And again, I'm always thinking about the simplest option to get the result I want. And this is the framework I think is great for you to use to get started as well. So because I eat out Saturday night, get takeout or whatever it is, that really means I have 12 meals for the week. So I eat, you know, when I, when I go to the food store, generally on Saturday or Sunday, I get exactly what I need for the week. Nothing more, nothing less. And the goal is to dial in exactly what you need for your meals to limit trips and save time. And generally when you go to the food store if you're hungry you're gonna be like oh i'll grab this i'll grab that and you kind of like you're gonna get little things that you don't need and that's the thing you want to avoid so i eat six breakfast lunches brunches whatever you want to call it first meals each week and i eat the same thing each day for that meal so i i eat you know here's the thing though is that whether or not you eat eggs at breakfast or lunch, it's all marketing. It's, it's companies use it to get you to eat more of a certain food. And you can Google why we drink orange juice at breakfast if you want to see why. Because they had a bunch of oranges and they need to sell them. So they made up this marketing campaign to say, oh, drink orange juice for breakfast. And now people do that, right? So I just happen to love eggs. And since I don't eat first thing in the morning, I also love breakfast. So let's not get that wrong. I just kind of, I guess, don't, it's weird to me to think about making three or four meals a day anymore. It just seems like a lot of time. So I just eat them for the first meal. Um, but you can do whatever meals make sense at any meal. It really doesn't matter. But from my perspective, when I'm going and I'm making breakfast, I'll have six of the same meals. So yes, that means I'm eating the same thing every day for breakfast. And again, it just makes my life simple. 
Here's the thing. You may think you want variety, but this also adds complexity. When you let your emotions run your eating and start, you know, instead of making simple choices, you make your life a lot more difficult. Think of eating like a job. If you're trying to make a change, you just got to think of your eating like a job most days. You clock in, you clock out, you get the work done. I remember I had a client who was trying to, um, he's trying to figure out how to lose weight and his, his thought process was that he needed uh, eating in a diet plan. And he told me, he's like, you know, can you put together a plan that has like, you know, of, of things I can eat. So for breakfast, maybe like six to eight options. And for lunch, like, you know, eight to 10 options and dinner, like 12 to 14 options. And I'm like, man, you don't need a like combination of a thousand different meals you could have. It's like, you just pick one thing. Like if you're trying to make a change in your diet, whether you're trying to lose weight or gain weight, make your life simple. You don't need more variety because ultimately what that does is it just makes you have to have more decisions. It's like, it's like, I want to have more options. Okay. So if I'm going on vacation and I know that it's all hiking, but I'm going on one nice dinner, I can either make the decision of what I'm going to wear before when I pack the trip, or I can say, well, I want to have options. But the problem is instead of making one decision once, what you end up doing is saying, well, what options do I want? And I sit there and I think about three or four or five different options and I pack all those. And then when I get there, I still have to think about the one I want to wear because I can't wear more than one outfit. So this is the idea is that the biggest reason people fail is because they lack simplicity and they don't have a simple plan that's limiting options for what they eat. It's like you don't think, I want to have three or four jobs so I can wake up and think about what I want to work at today. It's like you, know, you pick one job and even if you don't want to do it, you do it. And everything in life that it requires great sacrifice and great reward requires you to just get in the rhythm and routine of doing it. So, you know, you're like, oh, I don't like eggs. I like this. I don't want to, you know, it's like, what do you want? Do you want to gain weight? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to have a healthy ideal body for what your goals are? Or do you want to sit there and think about what you want all the time? I mean, you got to pick one that matters more. And if you want variety and complexity, just understand that it's going to bring a whole different thing of headaches. So that's my jaded perspective, but we'll move on. So when I eat my breakfast, it's about 1,500 calories total. So these, there's two parts. I mix all several of these items into a large bowl for basically what looks like a salad. I don't know, anything with... I don't know, anything, I guess anything that's mixed together is a salad, but I do six pasture-raised large eggs, and pasture-raised is important because it means the chickens get to eat a natural diet that includes insects, insects and little animals. Chickens are not vegetarian. So when you see vegetarian fed on the package, just know that it's a fancy way of saying cheapest option possible. That said, you may not want to spend 5 to $7 on a 12-pack of eggs, even at lower quality, eggs are still incredibly nutritionally dense and a great source of protein, nutrients, cholesterol, and fat. I also throw a bit of cheese on these with Himalayan pink sea salt, which is the only kind of salt you should have, crushed red pepper flakes, and then some pepper for you know uh, flavor and calories. And what I've gotten hand, the routine of is I take about a handful of mushrooms and throw those in there as well. I like the... Uh, uh, sliced portobello mushrooms, but they're all good. I just like them. They're denser because, you know, it's nice. But if you have other types of mushrooms and you can just use them raw. But I used to hate mushrooms and think they're weird, but then I grew out of that once I became an adult and realized that food weirdness and texture, it's all in your head. So, but the point is that this is kind of what I do. You don't have to do any of this. 
But I take that eggs, cheese, and mushrooms mix, and I put it on top of a mixture of it's leafy green. So the darker the green, the better. Uh, but spinach, anything else is all good. I use Organic Girl Super Greens. Then I do broccoli sprouts, which are incredibly high in sulfurafrane, which is like super healthy and stuff, I guess. I do about a half cup of uh, kimchi and fermented foods are 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 great for gut bacteria. It does have a strong taste though, so you kind of got to be used to that. But that I throw all together and I make like a salad mix of that. Then I take and make a bowl of oatmeal. I used to do a lot of Greek yogurt, but honestly, I found that getting more carbs from the oatmeal, I just feel better later on. But, you know, on days you don't have to work out, you can do Greek yogurt or whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. But let's just say this, the uh, oatmeal costs about maybe 10% of what the Greek yogurt costs. So that's definitely nice if you're looking at a budget. Um, But in the oatmeal, I do one cup of plain oatmeal, some whole grass-fed milk. Um, Then I do about two tablespoons of peanut butter. I do chia seeds, flax seeds, sunflower seeds, all raw and unseasoned. Make sure that you're not getting the stuff that's cooked in oils. That's next level junk food that you, you, sounds like you're getting healthy stuff like nuts. If you go look at nuts, there's only one type of almond you should get. It's the oven roasted, like the oven roasted salted stuff. Everything else that's cooked in peanut oil, vegetable oil, it's all like it's cheapened oils that your body doesn't process well. So don't just think just because you're eating almonds, you're being healthy. Make sure that you're getting stuff that's not cooked in oils as much as possible. And I am actively working to switch over to almond butter. It's not that it's hard. I actually like it a lot, but... Um, in the past, I've done peanut butter, but I'm switching over currently to almond butter. So just so you know, for future reference. Uh, then I do a small handful of blueberries and or raspberries and then uh, cinnamon and about two-thirds of a banana because my dogs get the other third. And then about a tablespoon of local honey to get some of the antibodies from local insects and all that stuff and helps with allergies and things like that. And it supports local working honey bees, which is important. So the eggs... For the week, and because I eat larger amounts, I just kind of like get things in containers that I can split and make it work so that by the end of the week, I go and I have literally nothing in my fridge. But three 12-packs of eggs are 15 to $20 total. Cheese, $2, $8 for two containers of the Super Greens mix, $3 for the broccoli sprouts, $4 for kimchi, $6 for mushrooms, two containers, Oatmeal is about three, but that lasts about two weeks. Greek yogurt, relatively speaking, would be about six to seven dollars a tub, and each tub lasts me two meals. So if I were to replace that, it's three dollars versus about twenty dollars. So that's a big difference. Well, depending on you know that adds up over the years, depending on where you care about it. Uh, peanut butter is about two dollars. Almond butter is about five or six. Chia flax and sunflower seeds are about three dollars each, but that lasts me about a month. Each one of those lasts me about a month. Blueberries, raspberries, three to five dollars, six to seven bananas, two dollars, and a jar of honey, which lasts me about, I guess, two months or so, about ten dollars. And then all the salt, red pepper flakes, cinnamon, and stuff like that is like two to six dollars each, but of course that lasts. So in total, this in total, this costs me about fifty-five to sixty dollars a week for breakfast alone. If I'm having Greek yogurt, it's about definitely sixty to sixty-five. Um, but if you divide it by six meals, that's about $10 each day on this meal alone, nine or $10. And yes, the thing you're going to realize is that is expensive relative to what you could get at McDonald's or something else, of course. And sure, you can eat for less than that, right? 
you can make food for less than that you can eat out. But the thing is, like, I'm just telling you what I eat. And the reality is that healthy, quality food isn't cheap. I choose to spend money on taking care of my body. You don't have to do all this stuff. But, you know, those are the things. And everything in there has a reason, whether it's a health benefit or a nutrient or something like that. My goal with breakfast is to simply get literally every nutrient need I need, nutrient need covered for my body in that breakfast so that no matter what else happens to the day, I've got that checked off the box. So that's kind of what I would say is pick a meal that you can really just nerd out on and then, you know, make it very healthy. So if you wanted the cheap version of that, you could get a 30 pack of eggs at Harris Teeter that cost $2. You get an oatmeal container cost $3. Peanut butter is two, bananas are two, and cinnamon salt are negligible. So at that point, you are going to get uh, it's about ten dollars for a whole week, so like a bit dollar sixty seven per calorie per meal, and then you're gonna get you know three. You can have five eggs, a cup of oatmeal, peanut butter, a banana for about eight hundred to a thousand calories, six days a week. I mean that that's the thing is you can get the lion's share of those nutrients and, and calories for nothing basically. So. There's always ways you can scale up or scale down things, but at the end of the day, it's just a matter of making a decision to plan ahead. So that brings the other side, and this isn't as detailed, but the other portion of what I eat is dinners, obviously. And so because I eat out once a meal one night a week, you know, I have six other day meals to plan with. And so I have one simple recipe for those meals. Meat plus veggie plus veggie plus starch. Well, Why? Because this allows me to get the adequate macronutrient levels, vitamins, and minerals while also being able to eat as much as I want to. Though it's not impossible, it is truly difficult to overeat calorie-wise while following that plan. Meat, veggie, veggie, starch. You can really just stuff yourself. And this is one of the things that I think is undervalued when it comes to eating is people I see all the time, they like send a picture of their meal or they post it up and they're like, look how healthy I was. And it's this tiny little like portion of I don't know, three carrots, a half a chicken breast, and like a tablespoon of rice. And they're like, look how healthy I am. I'm like, well, you're going to be starving in about two hours when, you know, it's 8.30 at night and you ate like a rabbit at dinner. When it comes down to making real food, like actually thinking about, I cook this and it has real food and it's nutrients. That's when you want to eat and fill up because if you're not satiated, if you're not full, you're going to be hungry again. And then the real problem of snacking and eating junk food that's when that pops in. So it doesn't have to be, you know, if it's relatively healthy, less processed whole food, it's really hard to overeat in your body. You know, there's a lot of that stuff that takes more energy to break down. So, you know, meat, veggie, veggie, starch is a really great place to start. And then you can kind of mix and match stuff. So the other part of this is how to not get, how to not get, how to not get stuck spending your life cooking. So I do this by, I make three meals a week. And for each of those meals, I literally just take half and eat it that night and save the other half for the next night. So what that means is like, I'll go, generally I get about a pound of meat each dinner. And then I pick two veggies to have and then a a starch. And so I'll get enough that I can just make it and whatever it is. So like I'll get a, a little bag of potatoes, for example. I'll get a little bag of like 24 ounce of potatoes it's big enough that it's substantial for one meal, but it's also enough that I can split it in half and have it in two meals. So you kind of just, it, that makes calories and portions easy. But if you wanted to do three meals or four or whatever, then you just, you know, get more and you scale up or down. So, 
But this means that I make meal A on Sunday and eat leftovers, re-eat leftovers on Monday. I eat meal B on Tuesday. I cook it on Tuesday and eat leftovers Wednesday. Meal C gets cooked Thursday and leftovers on Friday. So all I have to plan for is three meals in my food store trip. And you can do it differently, obviously, with two meals or whatever you want. But I find it easier just to buy containers and divide that up evenly in half the match portions that I eat. So the meats I love, steak, sort of fillets, ribeyes, strip steaks, sirloin fillets, you know, anything like that. Beef cubes, so like cubes, like stir, um, not like stew. Ground turkey, ground chicken, ground turkey, chicken breast, ground beef, uh, fish, like salmon, mahi, mahi, uh, snapper are my favorite. And then canned tuna, you know, super cheap, whatever, it works well. Then I mix those with two veggies. And so a kind of, you know, main meal veggies. So broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, green beans, asparagus, carrots, squash, zucchini. And then I take that and put it together with a starch. And so starches, uh, potatoes, sweet potatoes, butternut squash, grains, so like rice, quinoa. I do wild rice most times. And then like beans, um, those are going to be good. So with those, generally for me, since I'm only eating two meals, I'm not pretty active through the day. I'm not trying to lose weight. So I will throw a ton of cheese, like a, up to half a bag of cheese on top of that to get more calories. So you know that I just love the taste of cheese too. You don't have to do that at all, but that's just what I found and enjoyed. So, outside of that, there are other like veggies. So I call these salad veggies, but these are things you'd eat raw. So the main meal veggies you'd cook, and these are all simple. You just throw them on a pan, cover in olive oil, salt, and throw them in the oven. That's it. With the salad veggies, you eat them raw. So like leafy greens, spinach, kale, arugula, avocados, tomatoes, cucumbers, beets, sprouts, like broccoli, alfalfa, clover, bell peppers, kimchi, and mushrooms. So I like a lot of different mushrooms. And then, of course, you get chia, flax, sunflower, pumpkin seeds. uh, And then when it comes to like if there were a snack, I mean, I don't. Almonds, a handful of almonds are really all I go for, but almonds, cashews, Brazil nuts, pecans, walnuts. And again, make sure these nuts are not cooked in oil. Dry roasted basalt is always ideal or raw. And again, peanuts are not actually a nut. They are a legume. They grow under the ground. So unless you're allergic, no problem to eat them. But, you know, again, I'm trying to make the shift to almond butter. And so that's that's kind of the process I'm at momentarily. Then I have pickles. So when I get home from work, if I've been sweating a lot that day, pickles are such a great way to rehydrate with some sodium. So I've got this little jar of Grillo's pickles. So while I'm making dinner, I'll have a little pickle. I enjoy that a lot. But then finally, when it comes to fruits, this is a really common misconception people have. Fruits, while yes, they have nutritional value and some have fiber, a lot most have fiber, which is beneficial. That does not make them inherently healthy. So the thing is, the fruit that we have today has been genetically has been modified for years by harvesting and kind of you know, selecting for the bigger, the sweeter, the you know the the hardier fruit version. So there's just more sugar. They're bigger than they've ever been before. So think of fruit as a natural dessert to be enjoyed in moderation, not necessarily something that like, if you just have a handful of watermelon and a pineapple, that is not a healthy snack. Like it just doesn't work like that. It's just a slightly better version of a candy bar. I mean, really. So like, don't go and say, Oh, I'm having a banana and some blueberries for a snack. It's like, great. You might as well just uh, shoot yourself up with some insulin because 
that's just straight sugar that your body's going to digest and there's not enough fiber to really mitigate that. So that's, that's, that's all I got to say about that, to quote Forrest Gump. And then, you know, again, if it's coming to animal products and dairy, obviously I'm a huge fan of cheese. Uh, I do most of my cooking is with butter. And then I'll do eggs, Greek yogurt, and whole milk. So make sure if you're doing whole milk or milk, it needs to be whole milk because skim milk is just sugar water. And basically, you get more vitamins and nutrients from the whole milk. And it tastes better, obviously. So one last note on cooking. So I do almost everything in olive oil, butter, and salt. That's like it. Nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100 I'll I'll throw in some black pepper, some cinnamon, or red hot pepper flakes to spice things up on occasion. And if I ever want something like a little more crunch, then you can use panko as a breading, so like fish or something like that. But in general, you always try to stay away from vegetable oil, canola oil, and most every other cheapened oil. Avocado and olive oil are generally the best, but butter works well for high temperatures because it's got a higher smoking temperature. Um, sauces and marinades are fine if you want to throw more flavor on the meal, but you got to watch out for added sugars. They taste good for a reason. Like yum yum sauce, guess what? Straight sugar sugar sauce. Uh, grilled chicken is great, but it can also taste very bland. And so then you go, oh, dump barbecue sauce on it. But each tablespoon of barbecue sauce has six grams of sugar. So that turns your healthy meal into basically a dessert because you're getting 18, 20 grams of sugar without realizing it. I remember my talking to a, a loved, beloved family member, um, and she was trying to tell me that she had a turkey sandwich and it was healthy. And so I literally pulled out the ingredients and was like, she's got sweet, pe- sweet pickles, honey turkey. Uh, she had like this, you know, honey mustard and then the bread. And I was like, well, she's having a turkey sandwich and it had 24 grams of sugar in it. I'm like, you don't look at this stuff and think about it, but these are what adds up. So this is really what you got to watch out for. So, um, And then you can also get creative with different flavors and spices to actually cook good food that tastes good. Like cooking is an art form. So if you want to take the time and do that, then go for it. I just like the taste of butter and salt. I mean, it's very simple and I enjoy it a lot. So that, the big thing is that the more you can learn to just be simple and enjoy things, it makes your life so much easier. And then one last note on vegetables. So if you don't feel confident in your abilities to cook or you just have a microwave, frozen veggies are wonderful. Since they're picked and frozen at the peak of their freshness, they actually maintain an incredibly high amount of nutrition. So there's no excuse to not get your veggies. Even if you can't cook the fresh veggies right away, they tend to lose their nutritional value quickly. So don't feel bad for choosing frozen veggies. They can absolutely be great choices. But don't let them just sit in your freezer. You buy stuff and you eat it. A huge thing that I see, and I enjoy going to people's houses and looking at their fridges and pantries. If you go to your fridge and it's stuffed with all kinds of like little things and like frozen pizzas and bagel bites and you know random like reheatable burritos or whatever, get rid of that shit. You don't need that. It's not going to do anything good for you, and it's only sitting in there. If if you haven't eaten it this week, you're not going to eat it next week, and you didn't eat it last week. Guess what? Throw it away. Donate it. I don't care. But it's not good for you and it's not going to be beneficial for you. I mean, sure, you can say, well, I'm a bunker and I'm preparing for the next coronavirus raid on the uh, toilet paper. I mean, maybe that's one thing. But odds are that you're just holding on to a bunch of stuff that's really not going to be good. So 
Last thing we'll talk about is the simple thing of what I don't eat. And this simple list, and for you to make your own, can be more effective than having a, let's say, any other aspect of your eating planned out. It's just knowing what you don't eat. So I don't eat anything with hydrogenated oils. That's uh, transaturated oils that are modified for improving the shelf life, and there's nothing good about them, and they are literally fake through and through. So everything from like icing and i'm not saying that on occasion if someone makes a cake or whatever i don't know that i would never have a cake a handful once or twice or three times a year but i'm saying 99 times out of 100 990 times out of a thousand i am not touching anything with hydrogenated oils and even then if i go and my family hates this about me but i will you know we'll my sister will make something. I go, oh, I've got this thing. I'm like, well, I start picking apart, looking at the ingredients. I'm like, oh, we got the cheap stuff. It's like you can make great desserts with like real ingredients and you don't need hydrogenated oils and that stuff. So then I don't eat anything with high fructose corn syrup. Similar thing as above. Just go with real sugar. Um, if you're going to have like an actual dessert, just enjoy it. Um, I don't eat anything with transaturated fats. I rarely, rarely eat high processed, highly processed junk foods. I really don't eat many breads, pastas, cereals, crackers. And again, these aren't inherently unhealthy. Just They just don't have much nutritional value. So I don't go out of my way to make them part of my diet. Um, I do love bread and will absolutely have some on my cheap meals. Um, it's just definitely not a normal thing though. I don't, I would not for the other 13, other 12 meals of the week, you wouldn't see any of this stuff in my diet. And then foods high in added sugars. Uh, I don't do any smoothies, shakes, or drinkable calories. If you're trying to gain weight, yes, protein shakes are fine. But just protein and milk, not a sugar-filled smoothie with added protein. I cannot stand when people go, oh, I am having my healthy planet smoothie smoothie. I'm like, great. It's like so much sugar. It's unbelievable. Yes, they put some fancy superfood vitamin mix in there. And yes, they get a little protein shot. That stuff... First off, our bodies did not evolve having drinkable calories. Outside of mom's milk, you don't get any drinkable calories anywhere. So it's not normal. We don't really process it well, and it ends up getting sugar far further down our digestive tract than we'd ever otherwise get. Second, it's not, I mean, yes, it can fill you up, but it doesn't get you that same satiation that chewing something does. Third, you're not getting any stimulation to your jaw, to your face, and to the eating muscles which require chewing to actually be healthy. And this is a whole different thing I'll do a podcast on, but our faces are shrinking because we're not actually using the muscles in our faces and our jaws are getting smaller. Causes all kinds of problems. So literally, if you're trying to eat weight, or sorry, if you're trying to lose weight, don't do shakes, smoothies, or drinkable calories. I cannot tell you how valuable that'll be because everyone goes, well, it's easy. Well, guess what? Life isn't always easy, and you can't always just go with a quick, easy solution. If it sounds too good to be true, where you get a protein bar and you get a, I don't know, a little protein shake, a, a super veggie shake and a protein bar, it's not doing you good. I mean, yes, in a pinch, that stuff can be fine. And I'm not sitting here trying to be all uh, draconian about this stuff. But really, if these things become part of your daily habit or your weekly habits, you're just it's going to create more headaches down the line. And then last, fried foods, heavily processed meats, so like things with uh, nitrates and stuff, and then foods cooked in cheap vegetable oils. So really, and again, 
I'll, I'll re underscore this this whole list of hydrogenated oils and uh, sugar and high fructose corn syrup and processed foods. You can have the stuff. If you plan out and you enjoy it one meal a week, maybe two meals a week, you're totally fine. But if this is part of your day-to-day diet or even more than one day a week, that's when you're going to have problems. And so find up, a little, save up for time. Like when I eat out, I eat out big on Saturday nights. Like last night, I got an entire uh, chicken bacon ranch or chicken bacon something pizza. Like I'm talking a large pizza and then a whole uh, stromboli myself. And it's like, I don't care. I'll eat whatever. Cause it's, I've stuck with the plan all week. I've got the calories. I've, you know, I can eat these things and I'm, I'm okay. But when you get in the habit of, Oh, I'm just going to have a little shake and I'm going to have some, a quick handful of pretzels and you know, I'm going to just get something from the food store, the gas station on the way in, or I'm going to get a donut on Fridays. It's like, those are the things that are eating away because you're not actually building foundation, you're just kind of like getting C minuses and D pluses and B minuses all week. And then you think, now I can have a cheat meal. It's like, it doesn't work like that. You got to be able to store up some A's and A minuses throughout the week so that when you go and get a D, you can drop that. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be a big game breaker for you. So that is a general overview of what I eat, how I think about eating, and how I think it would be very healthy and helpful for you to structure your eating if you really want to make the changes in your body and your health that you say you do. So hopefully you found some value from that. I enjoyed walking you through that. And obviously you probably think that I'm ridiculous now for how – maybe it's maybe it's normal. Maybe you just totally think it's it, it makes sense. But apart from that – Eating well does not have to be complex and you too can eat in a way that supports the body you want. And I promise you, when you line these things up, you will be amazed at how quickly and how simply the weight comes off. It's just about consistency. Simplicity gets you complicity. uh, (laughs) Simplicity creates consistency. Consistency creates momentum. Momentum creates results. Simple as that. All right, share this with someone that got that you think would benefit from this. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure doing this, and I look forward to the next time that I can talk to you in my smooth, sultry voice and teach you about all things athlete. Until then, please leave a rating and a review. Share this with people and take care of yourselves. Eat simple, eat well. Talk to you soon. Bye.